We did it, people. We actually made it to the end of 2020, and what a year it was. Despite the plague, the draconian authoritarian perpetual lockdowns, and riots in the streets, I was still able to continue the show, launch my first book, do tons of media appearances, and connect with some old and some new friends. It was great to be on the other side of the interview with people like Tucker Carlson, Candace Owens, Brian Callen, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Belfort, Michael Knowles, and many others. My team put together a few segments from my favorite media appearances of 2020. In a year which really upped the crazy, I hope I added just a little bit of sanity amidst the madness. I wish you guys Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, a Happy New Year, and I look forward to continuing to make some sense of a world gone mad. See you in 2021, barring a meteor hitting the earth in the next few days, which probably will happen. Now take a look at some of my favorite media moments from 2020. Your whole life, your whole story, for all for all the good and the tough times and everything else, is a perfect example of what, in a in a strange sense, what America is supposed to be. Right? You create stuff. You don't turn to the government to do anything. That doesn't mean there wasn't a time when the government could do some stuff and was better at doing some stuff. The government at one time did get us to the moon. I was, but, I was going to use exactly. But, but but who's getting us to Mars? It's Elon Musk. Exactly. You think if, if you're a great scientist, you're right now. Like you're a great mind. You're a young person. You're a great mind. Great scientist. You want a government job? Do you want? To, that's why the worship of Fauci is a really interesting thing. Look, he, he's a scientist. I'm not. I'm right. not sitting here besmirching the guy. But in effect, great scientists go for other jobs now. Mm. For, there's financial reasons exactly. for it. There's right, freedom sure. reasons for it. Yeah. You just get trapped in this machine. But really, what you're talking about is. Do you He's a functionary. He's just a functionary, yeah. Fauci, right? The government. He, yeah, I get every month he says something. No, don't wear masks. Wear masks. I'm not Lockdowns, a fan of Don't Fauci. do anything. They do things. Yeah, it's uh, like I, as at this point, though, I think you have to feel okay. I get it, buddy. You're in. You have to be basking in the glow of this thing. Yeah. He's loving it. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just saying shit. He's yeah. like almost like Trump. He never, you never know what's going to come yeah. out of Fauci's mouth. You know what? <laughs> Sorry, guys, just, just do what you're told. The shit that this guy right, says, right, right. an unelected official, like, it's almost unbelievable. I'm like, I know. You go, Fauci. You just keep saying stupid shit. Go ahead. You know well, what it's like, well, because people say, well, you got to believe the science. Believe yeah. The scientists. Believe the scientists. That makes no sense. I mean, you know that science, you're not, not believe this. Exactly. Science is not perfection. You know, like, science. The basis often, of science is not to believe science. It's try to challenge every hypothesis and improve on the way you see if something's true or false is by testing it and challenging it and it evolves over time. All the things that I I was, I was a science, yeah. a bio major, a biochem in college. I have a degree, and most of the stuff I was taught is not true. It's, like, I had false beliefs. Like, my whole thing, I'm like, well, you know, the brain can't grow new cells. I was taught that, and yeah. it's not true. And, right? it's, and, and that's, the, that's the purpose of science, right? Like, you see a theory, and you try to, you either prove it or you disprove it or whatever else. But we've, we put these phrases, you know, believe in science. The same people that say believe in science will also tell you that you're allowed to select your gender. Right. So it's like, I, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure having a penis makes you male and having right. a vagina makes you female. That, Your that preference you, of sex is a different issue. <laughs> you could prefer whatever the hell you want to prefer. And right. by the way, you could also transition, but that doesn't change your biology. And saying that doesn't make you anti-trans. If, if someone's trans, right, if, someone, sure. if someone is born biologically male and then transitions to become female effectively, they're not biologically a female. That's just the truth. Question. So this is like I think we. It's interesting. We agree on on so many different things in the sense like 
Long Obviously, Island. Long Island creates a certain sense of reality. I, th- so, I, I, I really there, think it's, so. It's almost like a practical way of thinking yeah. that I buy into where like, for instance, I know, you're, like, do you think it's fair that girls that transition are winning all the medals now in women's sports? Like, what do you think? You, you mean boys that transition to females, females that then are beating the crap out of yes. all these? No, of course it's not. I, 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 but now you've got but, the feminists but, saying that's but, but, okay. But it's not. But like, it's obviously just not. Yeah, it's just not. not. Nothing against the girls. I'm not, but, I'm not saying you should have a separate league for all the trans people that yeah. want to compete against each other because it's just a, if, you know, by the way I'd be okay with that if, if they want that you know whatever it's because it's just a different musculature it's obvious it's just you know what it seems like it seems that like again I always say it's on both sides but right now it's whoever really is out in full force it's like they ignore the obvious. Like they say things that go against the obviousness of life and general common sense, and they try to justify it by shouting you down with yep. labels and identity politics. Yep. And if you don't agree with them, you're evil. You're Listen. this, you're that, you're evil. You know, Dave, you and I are a lot alike. I might be slightly better looking, but we share the same common <laughs> interests. And I look at, I don't know if I'm overreacting with this chaos, but I think you and I both recently joined a special club. It wasn't the Mile High Club, but it was a special club. Uh, care to uh, explain? Greg, I suspect you're not talking about the club that owns this book, The Plus, which is one of the best reads of the year. Why, thank I you. think you're talking about another club, which is, the, which is the Gun Owners Club. And yeah, we both did. And look, I've only lived in New York, and now I live in Los Angeles. I've only lived in these two crazy places. But after watching what has gone on for the last two months in America, uh, you'd actually have to be bananas to not at least strongly consider taking your protection of your family and your property into your own hands. I mean, we're watching mobs uh, not only burn down stores and break windows and attack people on the streets, but literally stop cars in the middle of the street. You saw what happened to the McCloskey family who had to defend their property uh, in Missouri. There's all sorts of stuff here that, you know, as American citizens, we have the God-given right that is enshrined in the Bill of Rights, which is still a pretty great document, uh, the Second Amendment, which is the right to bear arms and protect yourself. And uh, you and I are doing what you're supposed to do as an American. If they're going to defund the police, well, then I'm going to defend myself. So never have I had less faith in the media to bring us any element of truth on, on this sort of stuff. But where do you come down on, on, you know, you have a whole chapter in here about how to spot fake news. What does your media diet consist of these days? I mean, I assume you still read the New York Times, even though it's labeled both of us gateways to the, uh, to the Nazi party. Ah, yes, yes. It, it's a seminal moment in my life when my dad went to get a bagel and coffee at the same place he does every Sunday for the last 40 years. And someone had to bring the New York Times up to him and say, oh, I didn't know David was the leader of the alt-right. It was a really wonderful moment. Well, I'll tell you this, just in the last couple of days, uh, the New York Times did a story on misinformation in the age of coronavirus. And they talked about a tweet that went viral and a bunch of, a bunch of people we know, Stephen Crowder and uh, Britt Hume and a few other people tweeted this article the article was eventually taken down by Medium, not by the author who was analyzing data. It was taken down by Medium, and they talk about how this is this is misinformation because he he wasn't being alarmist about coronavirus. I happen to know the author; it's a guy by the name of Aaron Jin. I think he's a decent fella. I retweeted the article because I thought, you know, in a time when it's almost impossible to know who's telling the truth, I think it's important that we all hear different perspectives on things. So they include me in this chart showing that when I tweeted it, it, it really started going viral. And it's all about misinformation. So uh, I screenshot.
screenshot it and I put it up and then I didn't even tag the author from the New York Times because I don't even bother tagging these people anymore because as you know, they're not journalists, they're quote unquote journalists. I didn't even tag the guy, but he wrote back and said something like, we didn't quote mention you, uh, you were just in a graph, uh, but I'm glad you think you're flattered. And I thought, you know, it's, it's, it's this exact type of glib doublespeak that is exactly, this is what I said to him on Twitter, I mean, that you guys are destroying your own profession. You're telling me when you put my name in a chart in an article about misinformation, that's not mentioning me. It's not mentioning me. And of course, if you Google the definition of the word mention, it, it qualifies as a mention. But, but what's happening right now is all, I've, all I ask, I tweet this all the time, all the media has to do, you wanna shut up Ben Shapiro, you wanna stop scary Dave Rubin, you know what you do? You start behaving honestly but they can't do it. They have, the ship has sailed. The thing that is the New York Times is just the shell of the New York Times with a bunch of pro progressive activists uh, underneath it. I know someone that you know too that works at the New York Times who, uh, although I don't think this person's talking to me anymore, would oft tell me about how horrifically woke the uh, entire newsroom had become and that there's nothing even remotely close to true coming out of that place. They don't even have an ob, uh, uh, ombudsman? Ombudsman, is that the word? Yep. Yeah, they don't even, yeah, they don't even have an ombudsman anymore, which is the person who's supposed to be fact-checking the, the fact-checkers in effect. Uh, you know, a public editor, they don't even have that anymore. It, it is propaganda. CNN is propaganda. I'll give you, I'll give you a real good example of this. In, in December, I, I missed you by a day, but we both spoke at the Turning Point Student Action Summit event in West Palm Beach. And the day that I spoke, I spoke that morning, Trump spoke that afternoon, and I had never heard Trump speak in real time before, in real life. And we're watching the speech, and I, I was actually in the second row. And he, you know, it's Trump, he goes up there, he's half stand-up comic, he's, you know, he's, yep. you know, he's getting the crowd going, the whole thing. And then he says this thing about, and he gives an hour and a half speech, and it's half prompter, half off the cuff. And he says this thing about wind power, and he goes, you know, I love wind power, nobody knows more about wind power than me, I've studied wind power my whole life. And then he goes on and on about wind power back to the script. But that line, obviously, those few lines were obviously improv. And I turned to David and I said, I bet you that within an hour, there's gonna be an article about how Trump says he knows more about wind power than anybody and he studied it his whole life. And then voila, all the articles come out. Donald Trump says he knows more about wind power than anyone. And it's like, man, you idiots, he was joking and then actually made some interesting points about the validity of wind power and how important it should be or should not be. Um, and then linked that also to failed other green projects that we've done like Solyndra and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Anyway, so where do I get my diet from? It's very difficult. I think you guys at The Daily Wire are doing a nice job. I think The Blaze is doing a nice job. I do occasionally read some things out of the Times and the Washington Post, but they're pretty crappy. I try to pay attention. You know, what I basically try to do is, I on Twitter I follow a multitude of people from different perspectives, and I try to just whittle that into something that's true. Um, but I think one of the saving graces for me, um, which is why I, I don't envy the guys that have to do the grind every day, the hours and hours of content every day, is that it's really hard. It's hard to, it's hard to distill truth out of this madness all the time. And uh, I think you do a pretty damn good job of it, but it, it is not easy to do. It's not a fun it's word. It's a fun word. It's not a fun, be so, conservative. Right, so both of the, right. Oh, I'm liberal conservative. Liberal sounds fun. I, does yeah. liberal sound fun anymore? <laughs> All the words have become so tainted now yeah. that like, but, that's, but that was really why I wrote the book because it was the idea is think for yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't, 
if there if there are 10 important issues, there, there's obviously more than that, but if there are 10 important issues, if you and I agree on six of them and two of them we're kind of still figuring out and two of them we absolutely disagree on, well, Candace, I still want to live in the same country as you. And, and you know I still what? want to be your friend. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that everyone is just getting rid of. Right. And, that, and, and, I, and I'm so happy you talked about that because I, I totally agree with you that the Puritan conservatism doesn't work. And I think that I've actually tried to get rid of that. And, I, and I, I've dealt with it a lot. I mean, you saw me literally I, – I feel like I've grown up politically in front of everybody. Um, and I dealt with You've that a lot. You've done that more than people... anybody, maybe even more than me because at least when I started – I was starting from like a political base, right? Like I was on the left. I was a, on the Young Turks. I was a progressive. And then I started waking up. But my base was kind of political. I was a political science major. I always cared about this. Mm-hmm. That first time you walked into my studio, as you uh, said before, like you were kind of j- totally figuring it out I was open. And I was open to listening. And, and, yeah. and, I, and I never wanted to be the person that pretended to be someone that I wasn't. If I wasn't comfortable answering a question, I would say, you know, this is my feeling on it, but I don't really know much about it. So that's it. Yeah. And it was great. And it, honestly, I always t- tell people that was such a good moment for me to be on your show because you were so accepting of that. You were yeah. like, you don't need to commit to this or this and have an answer right now. And I actually ironically had the opposite experience when I went on Joe Rogan where I was like, I don't, I feel like I, there's something more like I don't trust the climate change. And he's like, you need to pick and, or be agnostic. And, and I was like, I just, my feeling is that it's not right because I was told I was going to die when I was in high school uh, because yeah. of climate change and I'm still yeah, here, yeah. but I haven't researched it. That's because you're a survivor. Right, but I haven't researched it. And I felt like he wanted me to pick one camp or the other. And so what I've tried to do, even in being a conservative, is, is be more open and especially on the pro-choice stuff because I say to people, my friends have gotten abortions. People that I've grown up with have gotten abortions. And I know if they didn't go to the abortion clinic saying, I want to kill a baby. In fact, I know that they learned in school that it was a clump of cells, yep. right? So how can you then, we, we have to be warmer, yeah. right? And saying, and how about saying, you know what? If you got, even if you got an abortion, you can still be pro-life, and that is a stance that I take because it's 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 less black and white. It's less you killed a baby, you're a murderer. That doesn't work. That's the same kind of stuff the left does on the other side. If I believe in my position and I do that, it's it, that it's a life. How about saying to them, I know that you can it can be very confusing when you're young and you're told that your whole life's going to get ruined if you get pregnant. It's just a clump of cells, and you could make a decision, but you you can change your mind. There, there's so much there. So so first off, partly why the left is always screaming is they don't know really what their starting point is. So so people on the right generally if you're if you're an American, you believe in individual rights. You believe that every single person regardless of their skin color or sexuality or gender or blah 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 should have the same exact rights. On the left, you sort of have this idea that the state is kind of supposed to do a lot of stuff and then the disagreement is how much it should do. So the best way I could explain this is if you think back to the 2016 election, it was like if you picture, you know, Marco and Cruz and Trump all up there, they didn't have massive substantive issues. They had issues about personality, right? So Trump was, you're little Marco and you're Lion Ted and you're <laughs> this one and blah, blah, blah. But they didn't, but they sort of all believe in the Constitution. They all believe that America is fundamentally good and the rest of it. If you look at where the Democrats have been for the last couple of years, it's like they kind of don't really believe in the Constitution all the time. They kind of tell you that. They never say words like freedom and liberty. Imagine if someone walked on stage at one of those things and said the word freedom. People would be like, you're at the wrong event, buddy. Like, (laughs) what what are you talking about here? Um, But I think that gets to why they're so hysterical all the time because – they have this idea that the state is supposed to do a lot. And then the next guy is like, no, the state should do more. And then you're kind of like, oh, maybe it should. Otherwise, I'm a bad guy. So it's like when they say they're for $15 minimum wage and then Rashida Tlaib comes along, that's, you know, Bernie's been pushing 15 forever, which is a horrible idea on so many levels and and antithetical to American 
ideas because why should the government be able to force a private company what to do and put that aside? But then Rashida comes along and she's like, no, it should be 20. And it's like, well, she's kind of right because you just made up a number. So let's why not why make up she? another number? Right. And then, then somebody's going to come along and go, 50. Rashida, you're racist. It's 25. You know, <laughs> yeah. So it's like – so they don't know what their fundamental principle is. And because of that – because of that, that's why they're crazy all the time. Mm-hmm. Because constantly you're looking around going, who, who's going to outdo me on something? And I think that's a fundamental piece of why having a debate about abortion, which I've tried to do a million times. Lila Rose, who you've had her on, mm-hmm. on this show, right? So she's been on my show. I think she's wonderful. Obviously, we have some disagreements on this stuff. I have put out there many times on Twitter, I would love to have a, a pro-choice advocate come on the show with Lila Rose. We've invited Alyssa Milano and, and the, the collection of, of usual suspects. Totally respectfully, we've reached out publicly and privately. Nobody. Nobody. And there's a reason for it. It's not just that Dave Rubin is mean or something like that or that Lila's a liar or something like that. These not true statements, obviously. It's that they don't want to actually debate these things in a calm way because they need the emotion to override the argument. Well, so how do you beat the mob? Well, the mob actually preys on the fact that people are afraid. And I think there's a lot of people that think, oh, if I could just be, I can sit this one out. Let me just sit this one out. Let me be quiet this time. It'll pass. It'll pass. It doesn't pass. That's the thing. They have preyed on the fact that good people are good people. And they have used that against us. And it's, it's the frog in the boiling pot. If you think that your acquiescence or that your silence is saving you, you're actually turning the dial up on the pot that you are mm. in. And as you know, it does not end well for the frog, right? right. Like that frog is fried at the end of that thing. Yeah. And I think that that is what has happened here. And that, that in many ways is why I wanted to write the book more than anything else, because that was the idea. It was like, I don't <clears throat> think that everything I present here is the most legendary political idea of all time. But I think I've been able to communicate ideas in a good way and, mm-hmm. and I've paid the price yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are rewards. Absolutely. Based on the price you paid, too. And I don't say paid the price to get any pity points. Right, I don't want right, any right, pity right. points. I've gotten the rewards of that, too, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's awesome. It's, it's cool. I wake up and I'm ready to go every day, you know? How do you feel like we can emotionally arm ourselves for taking on backlash? Because if we want to be great in our lives at any stage, any, any uh, decade of our life, there's going to be critics, haters, backlash, mob, whether it's online, offline, whatever. What do you think we can do emotionally to prepare for that? Besides what I think is the best thing is just to do it as, yeah. <laughs> often, as po- often as possible to be able to stomach it and say, okay, I'm still alive. I'm still here. Yeah. Like it didn't kill me. It hurts. Yeah. But I'm stronger. Well, partly it's that. Partly it's that. Partly it's basketball has been a theme here. So like partly it's why did Michael Jordan practice harder than anybody else, right? Like that is the known thing. Kobe was like it too. It's like, why did they do it? Barkley didn't love practice. Yeah. Al, Allen Iverson famously yeah, yeah. practice, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's not to say they weren't great players, but Allen Iverson and Charles Barkley never won championships. And Michael Jordan won six championships and he was in the finals six times, right? And he systematically eliminated every one of his peers to get mm-hmm. there. Um, so partly it's just that. You gotta, you know, Douglas Murray, who I've had on my show, who's a brilliant conservative political thinker from the UK and one of the greatest writers that I think we have in modern times. Mm-hmm. Um, he said to me once, he said, you know, if you get in the pool, he said, in a British accent, I believe, if you dip your toe in the pool, <laughs> you might find out that the water is not that cold. And I actually think that that's the right idea. Yeah. We, we, you know, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. It's something like that, that we create these monsters. And then when you actually go ahead and, and do whatever you're supposed to do, you might step in the pool and be like, 
damn, I thought the water was going to be freezing, but it turns out it's 92. It's and, fresh, yeah. Yeah, nice. and that's not to say it's going to be perfect, because trust me, it yeah, won't yeah. be. You will lose friends. I mean, we've all been through versions mm -hmm. of this. People that you love will suddenly say the worst things about you. You'll watch. I'm seeing some of this now. I'm getting a lot of um, support from my sort of right-leaning friends. So, you know, Shapiro and mm -hmm. Peterson and Glenn Beck and Dennis Prager, that crew. A lot of my, my lefty guys who have been with me all along the road have completely abandoned me wow. because they don't want to just deal with any of the backlash. And I also think this is a whole other topic, but I think that goes to a little bit of the lefty mind, which is in constant protection mode. Um, that's that's like sort of like a whole yeah. separate thing, but you got to get in. Get in the game because the game is coming for you anyway. Whether you like, you can say I'm not playing, but it's what we talked yeah. about with politics before. The game is being played, man. You're that's like saying, you know, if, if we were looking at a chessboard, it's like you are one of the pieces, whether you like yeah. it or not. And if the whole board is being shifted around, well, you got to move with it. They they will they will have a journalist on, and he'll say the equivalent of. Of uh, uh, two towers, yeah. 9-11. Yeah. All people These died are now. horrible. The equivalent of that comparison. is dying every single day and people still don't get it. And it's like, is that what you're saying? And are you, do you mind like having some caveats around that? How old are they? Are we sure of that? Are they all being tested? There are yeah. all these questions where you're like, you're you're just, you are, it's almost like they want this lockdown to go on forever. They do. Well, first off, their ratings are up in the midst of this because we're all trapped at home. So let's not, the media is dead. I mean, that that's an important thing to just like, we have to just say it and know it. The mainstream media is just absolute dead. CNN is the WWE. It is. I mean, I yeah. think that moment when yeah. you saw that moment when Chris Cuomo walked out of his basement, yeah. and they said, "Well, he's been Hilarious. he's been in quarantine for three weeks, and Hilarious. here he comes, and he had the shivers, and he chipped a tooth because he had COVID, and blah. and it's like he comes up and he's sweating, and then he's he announces, "Oh, it's because he was working out downstairs while he had COVID." The whole thing's it's all fixed. It, I mean, just a week before he had said he was in quarantine for three weeks. It turns out a week before he got into a fight with a biker outside Correct. of his house in the Hamptons. And there's video. It's like it's all made up nonsense. We are watching WWE skits in front of us and pretending it's real. Have and you why, done? Why, but why don't people get it? No, they. So I'm I'm on a book tour right now. I have done every freaking podcast you can think of. I have been on every Fox show repeatedly. I would go on every single CNN show. Here I'm saying it again. I have not gotten one invite. Not one invite from MSNBC. They're just afraid of you. They just, they just. The, my only caveat though would be I would, I would only do it live because I don't trust them on the editing Agreed. side. But Fox, Sorry. I go on live. They don't tell me to say anything. I was supposed to be on uh, Perino right before I got here, but then this Flynn story dropped, so they canceled me at the we last. We are sec, so but... polarized, aren't we, in this country? This, I mean, it's just so fucking. Well, I think most of us are like this. Yeah. We're, most people. I think we're the fortunate ones, don't you? No, I think well, most we're fortunate. Are we're fortunate in that we're not like completely partisan crazy people wandering around thinking that Nazis are hunting us down or that half the country is evil or something like that. Most people aren't. There's really um, a lot of ways to win this um, presidential election for Democrats. And it's not just getting all those crusty white guys in diners in, um, you know, the Midwest. Nothing against guys in diners in the Midwest. I swear the Trump campaign is paying that woman. She's just, she's just an ad for Trump. Dave Rubin joins us. The Rubin Report on YouTube. Our old friend joins us here on set. Dave, great to see you tonight. It's good to see you. Before you say anything, Tucker, I just want to be very clear. The woman you're talking about right there yes. in the clip, that's Jennifer Rubin. I am in no way related to I, I totally it forgot you to say that. very no. important that I well, say she's that a plan. Clearly, she's a plant. What kind of conservative is she? Is she in the she? Jeb Bush's former spokeswoman who's on MSNBC? You watch them and you're like, you know what? I'm voting for Trump. I don't care. It's, it's um, really confusing. It's, it's unbelievable. Anyway. Let yes. me ask you, 
How dehumanizing do you think it is to see people in the media who appear intent on dividing the country along racial lines to dismiss people on the basis of their skin color? Like, how do we get to this place? Who was that guy that wanted his children not to be judged by the color of their skin, oh, by, a by the, the content yeah. of their character? I, that guy was kind of right. That guy, MLK Jr., obviously, he was a liberal. He was a liberal. But the progressives have nothing to do with true liberalism. And there's a hilarity going on here because for years, they've been screaming that all of us, anyone who's not a woke, intersectional progressive, is a racist. But what was going to be at the end of the road of that? At the end of the road is exactly what's happening right now. They would have to turn it on themselves. And now they are turning it on themselves. So MSNBC is now putting up people to basically say, forget those Republicans and conservatives and Trump supporters that are racist. We're the racists because in an hour from right now, there's going to be a Democratic debate. I think it's on CNN. And guess what's going to happen? It's going to be all white people. Thank God Elizabeth is one 1,024th Native American or whatever it is. I don't know what happened to Andrew Yang. He should be in there. But his Asian-ness doesn't even count, right, because Asian doesn't sort of fit into the intersectional calculator. So this is this is the end game of what all of these competing But, but what they're really doing is, I, is I think you're suggesting... If you want to be precise about it, they're blaming black voters. I mean, there's a reason. The only right, they're reason saying blacks aren't supporting their own. I mean, think how insane th that they're is. turning to the African American electorate of the Democratic Party and saying you're bigots. Yeah, like the rich people on MSNBC, people like the, I can't even remember her name, but the woman you share in the last name with. Jennifer That's what Rubin, they're doing. Yeah. Jennifer Rubin. Yeah. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Well, you may remember that at the State of the Union last year when President Trump said we have the lowest all-time black unemployment and the cameras flashed to the Congressional Black Caucus and they sat there like this. Now, if you cared about your country, if you cared about black people or just citizens of your country, wouldn't you be happy that they have low unemployment? That would be good. But if you're a partisan hack, then you wouldn't care about that. And I think most people are waking up to this stuff. I mean, it's I, I sent out a tweet at the beginning on, on uh, January 1st saying this is the year of the implosion of this thing. Of wokeness? It, uh, of wokeness. It has to implode now because Elizabeth has to call Bernie a misogynist and someone else has to call Bernie a racist because that's all they got because they can't they can't debate on policy they can't really debate on taxes or foreign policy or any of these things so they have to get you on all of these things because it's it's sort of worked in a lot of ways against conservatives right you're one of the few guys that consistently stands up against it but it silences a lot of people and yeah, I think this is I think this is the year that it it just they've cried wolf for because too long I, the polling I look at suggests that really nobody is for this crap other than a very tiny percentage of MSNBC hosts, for example, it's, but like your average person of all any color doesn't like this garbage. Nobody cares. It's it's an athema and it's a reverse of what the American dream is. Nobody cares what your skin color is. Nobody cares what your gender is or even your sexuality or any of these things. If you're an American and you live by the laws of America and, yes. and, and you work hard and, and try to better your life and your family's life, that's what this whole thing is about. But why do they never talk about that? Exactly. Why, why do they why are they afraid to say words like liberty and freedom. Imagine that. Imagine those. You know who said those words? Tulsi Gabbard said it. And now she's out. Yeah, they hate her. Right. Yeah. Conservatives, we yep. tend to see people as individuals. We don't see them as black or white or are gay or uh, Presbyterian or Jewish. We tend to see them as individuals. And I think that's a fundamental difference. Would that be an assessment you would also agree to? Well, yeah, well, it's, it's the fundamental difference between, say, leftism and conservatism. 
But it, it also is the most fundamental building block that you can have, not only for a country. I mean, we have this in America, this beautiful uh, document called the Constitution that lays out our rights and then the Bill of Rights, which expands those rights. Um, but the government did not give us our rights, right? These are God-given rights. These rights, the government can take away your rights, but it can't give them to you. But once you say the group is above the individual, you have to throw out the individual who dare thinks freely, who dare takes another position. So a very simple way I could explain this to you is so on an, on an issue like abortion, um, you know, you see something right now where the left which used to basically say, you know, we're for abortion, but you can't have abortions eight months in. You know, they had some guardrails against it. Now, of course, uh, Governor, you as a, as a conservative, now you're completely against that, and that's just fine. But the left used to have some semblance of a mechanism to be able to fight its most radical elements. They no longer do. So everyone on stage right now at these debates, and Biden might be the slight exception, slight exception, I'm not even sure, but these people, they won't put a, an end point on abortion. I mean, everyone in their right mind, of course, knows that at seven months, this is, this is a child. Uh, this is a living being. So this is the problem, that once you start viewing people as, as the collective, you're unable to uh, understand that they might have differences with you because you've defined them already. And what I would rather do, and, and I think conservatives have been very good at this in the last couple of years, is say... I don't care what your sexuality is. I don't care what your gender is or your skin color or the rest of it. Do you have good ideas? And can we work together to, to hopefully create a society that's truly tolerant for as many people as possible? And that's why I consistently find myself bu building bridges in places that I, I didn't think would have existed a couple of years ago. Right now, the idea of socialism is suddenly popping up in America, which is the, the wor genuinely the worst set of collectivist ideas that you could possibly ever have, that hundreds of millions of people have died in history mm -hmm. under. And it's popping up because if you listen to what's happening on the left right now, politically, because they've outsourced God. Imagine if one of those people on stage said that they were a real believer. Imagine if any of them, maybe Biden could do it. But, but, but really, the rest of them can't. They would never really say that they're a believer. Now, I don't know what they are, and I wouldn't want them to say anything that's not true to themselves. Um, but they would be mocked by, by everything mainstream. Everything mainstream would mock them the way that everything mainstream mocks any Christian that happens, because they're usually on the right. They happen to be conservatives. But look what they're offering us now. They're, they're, their answer is, OK, we've removed God from the equation, and what do we get? We get government. And they, they, they now pray basically to government. They think that they can figure out somehow by sitting in a room with a bunch of other politicians and bureaucrats, the worst sort of people that exist, they... <laughs> I didn't even mean that to be funny, but actually... I mean, but that's what they think. They think that they can rejigger all of humanity in a way that will be so much better than everything that came before them. And not only can't they, they are going to do the complete reverse. So that, if for no other reason, if for no rev grand revelation or something like that, that would be a reason to be respectful of people that are believers. Because they can fight that in a way that secularists can't. The good liberals don't have enough juice in and of, in and of themselves. They don't have enough juice to fight that. That's why liberalism has collapsed in the name of progressivism. And if you watched the debate last night, you may have heard a lot of this.
No, 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 if you think that was distracting, you are not alone. CBS moderators have been criticized for quite a messy debate. Joining me now, Dave Rubin, host of The Rubin Report and author of the upcoming book, Don't Burn This Book, and we certainly won't. We'll have you back to talk about that. Um, you know, Fox News, when, when we host debates, we use a little bell or a little buzzer that makes it very clear when somebody's time is up. They didn't have any of that last night. Yeah, well, Dana, it's always good to be with you. You know, that little skirmish you just played there, the, that little five seconds, I mean, that was basically the most sensible part of the entire debate. <laughs> I mean, the, the whole thing is so confusing right now because the Democratic Party is splitting into at least two parts right now, perhaps more, but at least two. Uh, you know, you've got sort of the, the socialist, progressive, lefty, far left wing, which is the Bernie Elizabeth Warren wing. And then you have the at least slightly more moderate, somewhat still liberal, more blue dog Democrat, um, Bernie, uh, sorry, uh, Mike Bloomberg and Biden part of it. But watching them fray and watching this thing go out of control, it's like these people should not be on stage together. They, they should be separate parties at this point. And that's why the, the fighting over each other and the stammering and the, and the talking over each other. It's like, yeah, you guys don't have a cohesive set of ideas that bring you together as a party. So, of course, this is what we're going to get. And as for the, the moderators, it's like, yeah, you need you need to tell these people to be quiet and make sure they control themselves. Otherwise, you end up getting Joe Biden yelling at everybody. Which yeah, that and, seems to and be the candidates, they're fighting for all the marbles right now because it is crunch time. Um, last night, I was watching your Twitter. Everybody should follow you on Twitter. One of the things that you talked about was that there was something missing. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I like the Twitter. Um, I want to show you this clip from uh, last night. This is Tom Steyer talking about government. And then I want you to tell people what you thought was missing from debate, the debate last night. Watch. I don't believe that a government takeover of large parts of the economy makes any sense for working people or for families. I think that what we need to do is to present an alternative that includes a vibrant, competitive private sector. But we all know unchecked capitalism has failed. <clears throat> the answer is no, not for the government to take over the private sector, though. The answer is for us to break the corporate stranglehold on our government and have the government work for the people again. Dave, what do you think of that? Well, there's nothing like a billionaire telling me that unchecked capitalism has failed. Somehow he managed to do OK in it. Um, but but forget about Steyer because, you know, his appearance is, Most people is sort of pointless. I mean, <laughs> right. look, you, yeah, you've got you've got the socialist Bernie and the true capitalist Bloomberg at each other. That's that's the future of this fight. But there's a couple things going on here. I mean, when when Steyer and, and the rest of them, when when they talk about whatever use the Democrats believe capitalism still has, the base doesn't care about that. They are socialists. And whether you want to call it socialist or communist or democratic socialist, whatever phrase you want to use, that's fine. But that really is what the base is. So when Bloomberg talks about building a business successfully, when Bloomberg, by the way, he actually wore an American flag pin, which I didn't even notice till afterwards someone pointed out, because the entire thing, nobody says anything positive about America. They, you know, words like freedom. Imagine if someone said the word freedom or liberty 
or anything positive about this incredible country you have, what they do is they constantly tell you how good other countries are. So apparently Sweden and Denmark, it's usually Sweden, but Bernie was big on Denmark last night, these tiny Scandinavian countries yeah. with mostly uh, homogenous populations, although now that in the last five years mm -hmm. they've had immigration, they have all sorts of other problems, but they use that as a model where we in America, we've got 350 yeah. million some odd people from every walk of life, we've given more freedom to everybody, and somehow they can't even seem to choke out anything positive about America. And then in the few moments where Biden, who's a little more old school, he'll say something about the Constitution, and you can almost feel it in the room yeah, that it's it, like, Constitution, kind of what, what does that have to do with what we're drop. talking about? I'm in complete agreement with you about the pants thing. Uh, and as you can see, here in Los Angeles, uh, we have been reduced to wearing bathing suits. It doesn't matter. That's the point, people. We're all Americans. It doesn't matter if you're wearing a bathing suit or jeans. It just doesn't matter. But, Greg, yes, you are right. You are right. When things actually hit the fan, when, when it's suddenly, when you suddenly have real issues to deal with, nobody cares about race, nobody cares about sexuality or gender or any of it. That was one of the best intros I've ever heard you give because we're all Americans right now. We've got a real problem to face. And when you have real problems, the imaginary problems of the progressives really disappear into nothing. Yeah, I'm just grateful that you were wearing something. A blast from the past. I say that only because he was with us in 2016 for our election coverage when we were blasted. So that's, that's how I came up with that little phrase. It's our pal, Dave Rubin. Dave, oh, wait, that's what happened? Me. I thought that Clavin just got like more hair younger and gayer. Yeah. <laughs> a little gay. Yeah, yeah hold on. I want well, to pull on that. Let's just go through a couple things here, guys. First off, You've left me here with Clavin's old glass. So that's and, not can do. I have your glass? Because I sense you're not going to be doing yeah, anything. Much, much, right, much so better. No imbibing. Let's start sure. with that. That's number one. But before I do that, I did bring my special thick rim election oh, glasses. Because you know a lot. Yes, because you know a lot of times on MSNBC, you know, they're wearing glasses. Now, these are not real glasses. These are prop glasses. I actually have 20-20 vision. <laughs> but to make a point, when mm -hmm. you're a newscaster, and as you guys are blowing up and leaving me here in Los Angeles and yeah. going to Nashville, it's very exciting. Knowles, I'm really pissed at you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you guys are going to have to do more of this. You're going to have to get thick rim, black. That's that's not quite no, TV-worthy. Nah. And then when you make a point, Ben, and you're always making points, and then you... Keith mm. Wow, that's good. You, you didn't the way even I did that, anything? and I'm a lefty. I believe that. I'm a lefty. I just <laughs> did that with my did right it. hand. My and then, and then you can also do this. Oh my oh, God! God. I wish you'd make a point. Because I'm all so in. Good. I don't know if you're allowed to. <laughs> I'm all 100 percent reporting. Biden is the president. You see? You see how I did that? Yeah, my problem with that, I always get mistaken yeah. for Maddow every time I wear those glasses, and it's it's too much. I don't know how to... In Tennessee, that's not going to work well. In L.A., yeah. it worked very well, but Tennessee, I can't do it. So much of what we hear about from the left is exactly what 1984 is about. So hmm. words are violence now, but violence is not violence. These are things that they create to actually make us question everything. And then once you question everything... Well, then gender is up for question and all of the things that should be settled are no longer settled. And then what I f completely forgot about that I found was interesting is that one of the things that they're also trying to sort of untie, that the Ministry of, Untr of Truth is trying to untie, is the idea of time. And it does feel like right now that mm -hmm. time feels a little weird. It's partly because of the lockdown partly because you know we're we're trapped at home we're all on social media but doesn't time feel hmm. sort of sort of strange right now like anything could happen at any given minute right and i think that all leads to a sort of well sick society where 2 plus 2 eventually will be 5 if they just tell you there are so many of these 
contradictions or absurdities that come up. I mean, the three slogans of the party that you've yeah. always got to repeat, they've got it on the back of the book right here. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. This could be the chance of protesters that we see marching all around the West. Quite literally. I mean, one of the things that I talk about all the time now is that it's the anti-racists who are the racists right. now. Right? If, you, yeah. if all the people that are running around now proclaiming that the rest of us are racists, they're the ones that are pushing racism into society every, right. everywhere. They're the ones that are saying black people should have special dorms and that white people shouldn't you know, be uh, be allowed to have certain jobs or that they shouldn't be considered equally. Mm -hmm. uh, those are racist notions. So we live in a time where everything has been flipped. And for the few of us that uh, have a little bit of the spark of Winston, it's like, how do you make sure you're not one of the people who at the end is going two plus two equals five? I'm not sure. I, I will tell you one other thing. I'm actually watching The Handmaiden's Tale yeah. right now. Did you watch it by I, any chance? I did. I've seen some of it, not the so, whole thing. So I'm watching it right now. And the parallels to 1984 are absolutely right. incredible because this is exactly uh, what the main character, June, is going through. And it's so funny because the show came out a couple of years ago and everyone kept saying, this is what's happening in Trump's America. Yeah. Except I'm watching it now in the midst of, you know, what's happening with Black Lives Matter and everything else. And it's like, no, it's all the left. <laughs> it's this America. It's this yeah, yeah, America. It's not Trump that's doing this. It's, yeah. it's the other guys yeah. that are doing this. So I think more than anything else, there's a beautiful thing when you read a, a work of fiction, when you can go, holy cow, this was not only, it must have been true or true enough to have made sense when it was written. What, what year was the book written? Like, the book was, I guess, written in 1948, published, I think, in 1949. Okay, so 49. I mean, think about that. 70 plus years ago. Um, but yet feels like literally everything we're going through right now. Yeah. That, that's an incredible uh, compliment to a writer and to a, to a work. And he articulates this concept. I mean, the, I think the great one you use is yeah. that the people who say they're anti-racist are the ones who are acting in a racist way. And the way George Orwell describes it is he calls it doublethink. Mm -hmm. So doublethink is this idea that you, you hold two contradictory ideas at exactly the same time. So you, you can never admit that the ideas don't make any sense. But you, So for instance, we have to w get rid of America's terrible past, which had segregation. And the way we're going to do that is institute segregation. Through segregation. Look, yeah. think about it this way. What's like the hottest book on the left right now? It's White Fragility. Yes. What's the subtitle of White Fragility? I don't know what it is exactly, but in essence, it's something like how white people can blah, blah, blah. That's racist. Yeah. That in <laughs> yeah, and right, of itself right. is racist. Yeah. Forget white fragility. Well, but then if you say how white people, the implication is all white people are this, whatever yeah. this is, that is racist. So you, they hold these two ideas that are completely at odds with each other and they hold it because that allows you to believe anything basically at any given time.